I'm Floyd Hall. The Spelman College Museum of Fine Art is presenting a new exhibition entitled Africa Forecast, Fashioning Contemporary Life, which coincides with the commemoration of the museum's 20th anniversary. I recently spoke with visual artist Ayana V. Jackson, whose work is included in the exhibition. I'm Floyd Hall, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with visual artist Ayana V. Jackson, and we are having this conversation in advance of the opening of the upcoming exhibition uh, in the Spelman College Museum of Fine Art, Africa Forecast, Fashioning Contemporary Life, and Ayana, thank you for your time. Thank you, Floyd. It's so great to be here. One of the things that struck me in one of your works, um, poverty pornography, and this notion of being fixated on things that can sometimes disturb us, but at the same time, you're drawn to those things. Um, when you are approaching your work and you are putting yourself in your work, talk me through how you interpret the roles of both yourself as the creator, um, the subject, um, and then what we as the viewers will then see when it comes to that. What I'm very concerned with um, as, a, as a person, as a person that inhabits a black woman's body, um, is how I have been taught to understand myself as a woman, as a black body, as an African diaspora subject. When I wake up in the morning, I don't necessarily my first thought isn't uh, isn't really the the capsule that my spirit lives in. It's the fact that I I am in this body. But as I've been educated um, from a child through to now, um, I began to learn things about myself through um, the outside, through looking at other women's bodies, being told what a what a girl's body is, what a what a woman's body is, what a black body is, what a what an African body is, what a displaced African body might be. Uh, and these are things that I learned um, as, I, as I kind of went through the business of, of living. So um, there was a point as I began to interact more broadly, you know, leaving the, the home and, the, and, and the, 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 the town and perhaps uh, the cloister, the, co the country, uh, as I as I begin to kind of expand my borders and interact with other bodies, other people, and you know, other other spirits inhabiting other kinds of bodies, and being uh, spoken to uh, according to what they all already understand myself to be, and what I understand them to be, and the misconceptions, I began to really wonder uh, uh, more and more about them. Poverty pornography came out of my growing frustration with publications like National Geographic, uh, my memory of frustrations uh, with like the Sally Struthers, a dollar a day to feed the African child, the image of this black American body that is definitely related to the African condition, the African continent, geographic space, um, having trouble uh, understanding, you know, what I was looking at and how I was meant to relate to it or not relate to it. Um, and then at the same time, my family, I come from 
a Garvey family. You know, my great grandfather was a follower of Marcus Garvey. My grandfather, who was born in 1912, remembers, you know, talking to his father about Garvey, about the Black Star Line, and about going back to Africa. And later, his youngest sister, my aunt Jessie, um, later went on to visit and spent time in Kenya and Ethiopia, and ultimately moved to Ghana. And befriended a family that I now call my family. Uh, and they would come to visit us in New Jersey. And my uncle Simone didn't look anything like Sally Struthers' starving children. He, you know, he dressed like my father who was the same age. They drank the same beer. They went out <laughs> doing the same thing. Um, and I could not really rational. I couldn't understand why when I would look at my uncle Simone, I would wonder why I never saw the African body, the African subject, this is in the 80s, in, as contemporary. And so then I wanted to know more and more, and as I kind of picked up the camera and put down um, the, the pen, I, I started really um, wanting to deconstruct um, the image bank, the collective memories that we have, the, the collective visual memories that we have around Africa. I wanted to deconstruct them. I wanted to know why, um, you know, uh, why it was more probable to see a guerrilla soldier in some nameless war in some nameless part of Africa than it was to see um, the children of of dignitaries um, sipping champagne on a on a rooftop in in Nairobi, not to prioritize any kind of material understanding of wealth, but to be able to understand this community as part of a global conversation as contemporary. Um, so that particular series decided, or I had come to a moment with um, like looking at photography of the black body and of the African body, I came to a moment of really deciding that the, the, seduction, the seductive and repulsive kind of play of watching images of death, disaster, disease, and destruction from the position of a Western subject, of a, from the position of a U.S. American or of a European um, who's consuming those images. It's one of those things where you want to look, but you feel like you shouldn't look. You, 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 you feel sorry for them, but at the same time, you feel lucky for yourself. And that kind of cycle of, 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 of again, seduction and repulsion was addicting in a way that poverty, that, that pornography itself is addicting. Pornography is has a has a power over us because it's as it's as illicit as it is graphic, um, and so uh, we don't want pornography necessarily to come completely into the public because then it loses its perhaps its grip on us. And I think that one of the reasons why journalists and publications for so long um, were more interested in in, in splashing atrocities over the front cover of, of page of, of newspapers has a lot to do with that. It's more interesting than to see Africans who look just like you. You don't, then there's no inside outside, there's no othering if you see one as the same. How long have you been in South Africa at this point? I moved there nine years ago. Okay. I started going 14 years ago. Okay. In your time there, both from your initial visits to now making a residence there, and being around uh, living among different views of of black bodies, mm -hmm. um, did your own perception of your black body change within that context? Mm. Yes, you know, um, I never feel more American than when I'm in Africa. 
And one of the interesting things about moving to Johannesburg, I'm not quite sure if this necessarily began in South Africa because I, I've spent time in close to, well, let's say close to 20 uh, or more than a dozen um, capital cities around the continent. Uh, the, the So I don't know it, in which country it really kind of, I can't remember in which country it really kind of hit me. But... The thing is, um, even though I grew up in a family that was uh, very, I guess I mentioned Garvey to Black Power, Civil Rights Movement to Afrocentrism to Kwanzaa, <laughs> I actually grew up practicing Kwanzaa. Um, and then finally, as an adult, like landing on the continent and realizing that a lot of what I understood to be tradition um, was a, f- a fiction or an assemblage of of fictions or um, was a thing of grabbing at straws. So, for instance, as much as um, I understand and and believe in in what Kwanzaa, the notion, for instance, of Kwanzaa has done for our community, to actually now be of that generation that it's no big thing to actually go to any of the Swahili-speaking countries and realize that there is some disconnects <laughs> in 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 how it was taught to us, um, and then having to realize that um, as much as it was absolutely crucial for uh, us to us as a as a community of Black Americans to kind of find a way to to find our dignity in our blackness and to find our pride in our African descendant um, state, um, the fact of the matter is we're founding fathers. Many of us are founding father black Americans. We, many of us have been here since the founding fathers. You know, I mean, when you talk about the legacy of the slave trade, you can't get more American or people who have been on this earth more like longer than many of your black americans and not to then add to it you know the fact that many of us have in different stages indigenous blood and and in different quantities so you know as much as i don't I, i don't i would never and i would not want to be kind of misunderstood as denying the africanness the thing is i think that there is something very important in understanding who we are as uh, as as U.S. Americans, uh, as Americans in terms of the entire two con- the, the continents in the Caribbean, but also as U.S. Americans in terms of the specificity of the history of the United States. So I kind of, in combination of actually sitting down, actually, to be honest, you know what, to answer your question, it was right here at Spelman College because my freshman roommate was a woman named Nangula from Namibia, and my sophomore year roommate was a woman from from Lagos, whose name I can't remember because we had a bit of a fight towards the end. I think I blocked her out somehow. (laughs) But, um, and that was probably, so at, at 17, 18, that was probably the beginning of me also, me understanding that there was something in their resistance to me calling myself African American because they themselves were African in America, um, having my having that called into question, sometimes with attitude, sometimes with compassion, made me think about my my cultural specificity differently. But then again, just as I, as I began in answering this question, when I finally did start living and spending time there, um, it it became very clear um, that culturally my instincts, my aggression, my um, my, my uh, activism, my um, there are so many things that just are specific to the condition of having of being multi generational black in the United States. 
um, who has decided and like you know to go to Africa and to have that conversation, um, but not necessarily in a Africa home way, the way that my parents or my grandparents would have, because I have a bit more. I go and come. I go and come. Whereas for them, it was the space out there that was home, you know. Uh, and now I get to interact with it in a more direct way. So that it's a process. But I guess I'd have to say it began here at Spelman. Well, you, that's a great segue because I, I wanted to ask you about your time here at Spelman, and what did that do as far as shaping how you began to move through the world. You know, I'm not sure if it's still the case, but for many years, at least the time, the duration of my time here, and I'm assuming, I'm not sure if this came in with Dr. Cole, Dr. Janetta Cole, or if it preceded her tenure, but we all had to take two semesters of a course called African Diaspora and the World, ADW. I don't know if that's still part of the curriculum here, but you could not graduate. You could not you could not get to your sophomore year without taking two semesters of this course. And in that course, we're, we're reading Fanon, we're reading Chinua Echebe, we're reading, um, you know, uh, you know, the pedagogy of the oppressed. Um, we're, you know, we were kind of forced immediately to uh, engage with um, the intellectual uh, with, a, with a continental dialogue, with Negritude, with Césaire, with Sangor. Um, and so while, of course, coming to an historically black college, uh, we would definitely um, engage with um, black scholarship, black American scholarship, or Western black scholarship, we were forced in the, from day one to to consider and, address, and, and be, be aware of, of, of scholarship uh, that was happening in other parts of the diaspora as well as on the continent itself. That um, was, in my case, a beautiful, uh, you know, kind of accompany. You know, it accompanied what I had been taught in my own home because, as I mentioned earlier, I was lucky enough to to come from a family that's been engaging with the continent in a very kind of in a way of of love as opposed to of you know of disgust. Um, but so it, it accompanied what I'd already known and strengthened what I already knew um, in a great way. Going back to the process of your work, and especially with you creating photography with yourself as the subject, how do you go through the process of critiquing and honing your own work when you're in the work? I'm curious about that. That's a good question. Um, the... As you asked about poverty pornography earlier, I, I, it occurred to me to mention that um, it was in that, although I had worked with my own body in a previous series, Leapfrog, um, when, I, when I decided to take on the representation of the black body in contemporary photography um, and, and problematize um, that, that those representations of death, disaster, disease, darkness, dark continent, dictatorship, um, I, I decided to use nudity, the woman's nude body, um, as a metaphor for that seduction and repulsion um, because I felt that, uh, or at the time, my, my thinking was that our relationship to this kind of imagery is similar to those of us who come from a, Judeo, a Judeo-Christian background, our relationship to the nudity. We want to look, obviously we, we engage in sexuality, um, but we feel that we shouldn't. Of course, you have the Adam and Eve, you know, the shaming of the nude body. So, um, but when I decided in, in, in making that decision, it was a very, I, 
I knew in that moment that that was a very risky premise. Um, I didn't know whether it was going to go over well if that if that metaphor was going to make sense, um, if I was going to be able to present a nude woman's body without it being sexual. And then I I took it a step further and real. So I, on one hand, I didn't want to risk it um, with another person's body, but then at the same time, I I, I, I realized. When I had to go through this moment of would it be a vanity exercise or, or like a typical woman artist putting themselves naked, blah, 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 um, you know, and like whether or not like from a fine arts kind of historical space, like if that would be kind of cliche and this, that, and the other. I realized absolutely not because if, or rather the greater risk would be to put another woman in that position because then there would be no intervention. To, to put another to 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 ask a, another woman to perform this violence is to in a way impart a certain amount of violence on her body and uh, and so it became very clear to me that a I would never do that I, I would not do that and B if if I did um, it there would be no there wouldn't be any intervention because in the history of photography and the black body, you always have had these others, you know, photographing, you know, one person photographing the other. It was very rarely kind of an internal, self-reflective, subjective conversation going on, particularly when it came to the black body, but also to the woman's body. You know, um, Hank Willis Thomas done really interesting work on white womanhood and how white woman, white woman's body was treated through the history of photography. So, at, from the from the perspective of the the camera holder, which for so many years was more often than not white male. So, um, I didn't. So, in other words, in in terms of like, you ask about um, critique and self critique, uh, and then also the 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 history of. Of, of, of criticism, of, of fine art criticism, as well as photography criticism. These are things that had to come into my decision. And um, it, it, it made sense for me to, to use my own body in, in, that, in that space. After you began to create um, with yourself as the subject, did you ever begin to look more critically or with vanity at yourself as a person, knowing that you were going to be a subject, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I, uh, one of the things that was difficult for me, so after I did poverty pornography, I did a series called Archival Impulse, and they ultimately bled into each other, but in my process, there were two different series. Um, Poverty Pornography dealt with mostly photographs that go from the 80s forward, whereas Archival Impulse goes to, is me kind of going back into the the late um, the, the late uh, 19th century and the beginning of the well, mostly the late 19th century. Um, you know, moving from the, the 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 dawn of photography in the middle of the century through to the turn of the 20th century, and how and how that how the, the technology of photography was happening right at the same time as the colonial experiment, you know, and the scramble for Africa. And I wanted to have another conversation with how we were taught to see and um, and where certain myths of the hypersexualized black woman body or the mandingo or the, the savage in need of civilizing 
you know, all of these, excuse me, all of these kinds of imagery, like why are, the, why are these tropes, why are these stereotypes so prevalent in our psyche um, as we think about the other part of the world, whether even as a black person thinking about Africa, particularly back in the 80s, um, but also as Europeans um, thinking about Africa. So I wanted, so in those two series, I was definitely um, kind of uh, trying to do that. But then um, to get to, the, to your question, I put the work on the wall and I open it, I take it out of my, my mind and off of the computer and, and now it's printed and it's framed in a gallery space, in a commercial gallery space for anyone to look at and for anyone to interpret according to their own um, kind of set of associations, which is part of what I want. I mean, a lot of the work is about that interaction and me making the viewer feel uncomfortable, making the viewer kind of go through this strangeness of of looking at a, at a woman's you know pubic hair and a woman's nipples, but it being strung up by you know and lynched you know and having you asking you to really kind of negotiate your how you relate to this kind of strange space, um, but then there is the thing where someone will you know uh, will talk about how beautiful the work is um, aesthetically in terms like formally, but then also I've been had I've had to kind of listen to someone talk about my personal beauty and 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 ask and I was I remember being asked for the first time you know if it was troubling for me um that that um at the same time that I'm dealing with something that's so ugly and so violent and so problematic it's also it's as easy to look at it um as beautiful because and I'm quoting them because of my individual beauty. And, and I remember there was a very, very uncomfortable question. Um, and all I can say um, is that, that uh, again, I'm working with those tensions. I'm working with, you know, it's about teaching or asking um, my audience to be literate with imagery, to, to read photography specifically. You know, photography's birthday is also around the same time as the birthday of, of, soci of social science and sociology. So early photography was used to illustrate. Um, and, and even as we kind of continued, it went into very much kind of a photojournalistic space. And in the photojournalistic space, you know, it was also used to to illustrate. And 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 what made it on the on the cover of the magazine or in or into the magazine or on the cover of the newspaper was the the scandal of the day. So, you know, the same way that we have to read articles for their editorial, you know, or to be critical of of when and where one is editorializing. I wanted to do the same thing with photography and making you uncomfortable enough to begin to read it. Um, so as we wrap up, uh, could not let the opportunity pass without asking you what it feels like uh, to come back to Spelman uh, in this way uh, as a part of this exhibition, celebrating uh, the 20th anniversary of the Spelman College Museum of Fine Art. What is that like for you? Honestly, words cannot express what it means to me to walk back onto this campus today for the first time in 14 years um, and be invited in this way. Um, you know, I studied sociology. I didn't, I'm not even a graduate of the, the fine arts department here. 
I took my photography class uh, as part of my visual arts um, requirement at Clark Atlanta. So, I, it, you know, I, I walked, I graduated from Spelman in 1999 with a degree in sociology and a minor in Spanish. And if you had told me on that day that uh, what would bring me back to this campus in any kind of celebratory way would be as a visual artist at the spell at the museum, Spelman, you know, Museum of, of Fine Art, I would have laughed at you <laughs> because it was so far from my radar. Um, at the same time, when when fine art, when photography and fine art and the art world kind of um, became my calling, the what the way that it happened was because my undergraduate thesis was around um, African descendants in Latin America, and I uh, had done you know several several. Um, kind of case studies from my study abroad in the Dominican Republic and Argentina. And then just before I turned in my, my term paper, I, I learned about the African Mexicans and the slave trade in Mexico. And I was, it stuck with me. And years later, I went on a trip with my partner at the time, Marco Villalobos, to Mexico to study them. And I would have to study, but to, to create a project around them. And I created a photographic series. But I would not have made that photographic series had it not been for the fact that these halls even led me to, to an interest in wanting to expand the map of what it means to be African in the Americas. So, and from there, one thing led to another. And when people ask me how my work comes about, I always have to speak about the fact that it comes from my background in sociology and very much that first sem two semesters of African diaspora and the world and the, the, how it had completely exploded all of the borders um, of blackness and it has become my mission to, um, to discuss that, to, to display that, to interact with that, to criticize that, um, to help people to engage with that. But um, I owe everything um, in part, but in a significant portion to uh, the days and, and, and the things I learned on these, in these corridors. Ayana, thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure.